We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Jack, we are live for Brooklyn Buzz on OTG Basketball, and we have some big news today, and it's not related to Kyrie Irving. It's related to James Harden being a Brooklyn Net. Obviously, this was speculated. There was rumors all offseason, and it's come together, and the Nets now have James Harden. What were your feelings when you woke up, Jack? Because I know that you were sleeping when the news happened. Yeah. So, initially, when I woke up, oh, I, you wake up a couple of times in the middle of the night, and the few notifications that I have on are for like Bleacher Report and like Twitter. So I, I got the Bleacher Report notification from Shams initially about you know the Brooklyn Nets showing in, that interest again, re-engaging. And I'm like, uh, it's just bullshit. And then I wake up again three hours later, and I get the notifications of plenty. I see messages from you. I see I'm getting tagged on Twitter. There's so many group DMs. And I'm still processing it. You can probably still see yeah. my eyes. But it's a little bit earlier than normal that I would be awake. Yeah, it, funnily enough, it, it reminds me of a similar time when Kevin Durant um, was announced and Steve Nash hiring was announced. Yep. All late hours and, and all hours of the, the, the morning and, and evening for me. But uh, I'm shocked, Nick. And I, I'm, I don't know, what was your immediate response? Yeah, I mean, obviously I was able to see the news kind of happening live. And, like, you had the speculation that the package was down to Philly and Brooklyn. And it felt like in the next 24 to 48 hours, we were going to find out where James Harden was going to play unless a mystery team came in. And the Nets put it all in. And I think, you know, some of it might be connected to Kyrie Irving and all of that off-the-court stuff, in which we'll probably discuss later on another episode. And I think Sean Marks, Josiah, and Steve Nash just realized, like, hey, if we can make this move to get James Harden, one of the best players in the NBA, and give us this much talent on this team – we have to do it. And I think the other stuff you can worry about later. If you have three elite players or at least two, you have a chance to win a championship. And like I said, we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Even if Kyrie Irving is no longer on the Brooklyn Nets, which I think he will be. But in the hypothetical scenario, James Harden and Kevin Durant is enough to win a championship. Are you ultimately more confident in the Brooklyn Nets chances for a championship now, Nick? I am. I am. I, I've, I've talked about a lot over the last couple of shows, the, the loss of Spencer Dinwiddie and how that hurt the depth and hurt the playmaking and hurt the scoring. Now you add one of the best scorers and playmakers in NBA history to this team. 
and see what he can do out there. And then you just worry about getting some of the other role players with some of those without the buyout market. You have the two exceptions now, the taxpayer mid-level exception, the disabled player uh, exception. So the Nets can get a little creative with that too. So I'm, I'm still happy about it. Obviously, Karis LeVert being one of my favorite players and Nets, maybe one of my favorite Nets of all time. And obviously watching Jared Allen grow, it's tough to see those guys leave as well as, you know, essentially seven first round picks, three being swaps, uh, four being just actual picks going over to the Rockets with no protections definitely scares you. But at the end of the day, you want to see your team be the best team in the league. And this puts the Nets in a position to be the best team in the league. There's still plenty of question marks with a fit, but you can, if you can add a player like James Harden, you have to do it. Yeah, look, I think that it is ultimately worth it in the end. This is something that we've debated for, for months and weeks yep. on plenty of podcasts. The, the news died down. It reheated up. It seemed to be something that just wouldn't go away. And the fact that it was reengaged after James Harden's comments last night, um, you know, you spoke to me and, and I agreed with your sentiments. The fact that this happened so quickly. You know, we yeah. heard James Harden basically say, uh, it's, this can't be fixed. Thank you. And it was just like, all right, those are his final words as a Houston Rocket. And then what is it? Six, eight hours later, he's yep. a Brooklyn Net. The part of me, and well, I think we can get to the emotional side in a little bit, but the part of me that's still skeptical, Nick, is, look, are we going to have deja vu to the Billy King era? Like, you'll probably... There's probably no better person to analyze that trade. And, you know, it was before we were friends. It's before we yeah. even knew it. OTG was even a thing. Yep. What are your feelings in relation to the pay, the, the PG uh, and Paul, the, the Paul Pierce and uh, Kevin Garnett days uh, in comparison to this trade? Uh, what are the similarities? Do you have similar feelings? What did you, were your feelings back then? Um, give us a summation. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of Nets fans are going to have those feelings come back to life, seeing all those picks going out. And obviously, that's, you know, something to have a concern about. But at the end of the day, James Harden is substantially better than both Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were at that time, and even combined in what those players were. They were past their prime. They were washed. They weren't necessarily elite two-way players anymore. James Harden, again, still being a top-five player in the NBA and at worst being a top-eight guy, and he's quote-unquote played bad, and I think he's averaging like 25-5 and five on like 60% true shooting. Like, he's still that elite when he doesn't even try. So, yeah, there's concern, but... That trade never made the Nets the best team in the league. And there was always a question of, are they even the best team in the East? And then I think the Miami Big Three was still a thing then. You still had LeBron James. You still had Chris Bosh. You still had Dwayne Wade. And you weren't going to get past that. Right now, there's no, no super team. The Lakers are really, really good, and they have a lot of great players, but they're not the Golden State Warriors. They're not the Miami Heat, and this gives the Nets an opportunity to be the best team in the NBA, especially on an offensive perspective. Like, Literally three players in the squad can drop 50 points. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see nights where KD and Harden both have 40 or even Kyrie gets in there with like a 30-point game. Like, there's so much scoring. And when it gets to the postseason, having three players that can score in isolation like this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have three defenders that can deal with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. There's just no answer for that. So long as the Nets can get their chemistry right and they can play defense, I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't be a better team than they were before this trade. I think that's that's a, a question mark that a lot of Nets fans have. Losing Karis Avert, losing Jared Allen, losing all those picks, Torian Prince, uh, Rodion's crew roots. Like, there is a question mark with the depth, but at the end of the day, talent is what matters, and you're going to rely on these guys when it comes to the postseason. They're going to be playing big minutes, and they're going to win you a series. And there's no, no team in the East that has a better big three than the Nets. There's no team in the league that has a better big three than the Nets. There's maybe more complete rosters, but there's no team that has as much talent as the Brooklyn Nets do right now. 
Yeah, look, it's one of the, talent wise, and obviously there's a lot of combustibility within that talent. A when you lot. Look at, <laughs> uh, when you look at James Harden and Kyrie Irving and their personalities and off court antics, but you look at it purely talent wise, you, the, the big threes of yesteryear LeBron James, Chris Bosch, and Dwayne Wade. Uh, you look at the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson. The nucleus of talent, just talent, subjective talent is maybe greater than all big threes combined. Yep. You can go back to Larry Bird, Bill Havacek, and Kevin McHale. I just think that the, sometimes the, this is almost like something Daryl Morey would do. It's like Daryl Morey has, is Sean Marks and has reincarnated into his body. He just wants to start. He just wants to get it all together, and that's how you win the championships. But is there, are there greater question marks now with the superstar talent about future success? You know, I think that the Nets are in a better spot now than they were in years past. One, because I believe in Sean Marks and his ability to acquire assets, a la what happened with D'Angelo Russell, to be able to acquire a young asset of his ilk, despite not having anything to really get on, to, to really actually acquire him in the first place. You know, you look at like Landry Shamet, you look at Spencer Dinwiddie, you look at Chioza, you look at guys that are probably like worth a second round here or there. And I think you could probably get a first. And we've seen, you know, the only first round, the highest first round of the Nets have had over the past years were used on Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Yeah. And those were in the 20s as well. So, look, I'm still incredibly skeptical about it, Nick, because Jared Allen and Karis LeVert have a piece of my heart. And, like, yeah. look, your favorite player, maybe in many, many years for this franchise, is now on the Indiana Pacers. How does that make you feel? Corey better take care of him. You know, <laughs> I mean, our boy Corey Waldron does full access Pacers. I've made a joke to him that I'm going to be on there a ton now because I'll be, I already watch a decent amount of Pacer games because of Corey, but seeing Karis LeVert there is going to be fun. And I think it's a great situation for him where maybe he could be even better than he would be on the Nets and he can unlock that next step in his game. And I think it'll provide him with more motivation. So the emotional aspect of losing a player like that definitely hurts, especially because without Karis LeVert, without Jared Allen, the Nets are not in the, the spot to get Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or just be that attractive franchise. And those guys deserve a lot of credit for helping the Nets turn things around and get them to the spot that they're in now. But getting back to the other point that you're making, Jack, in terms of depth, I think like the buyout market is buyout market is where things are really going to happen. You know, there's not necessarily a ton of trade assets for the Nets. They're looking for good players to be bought out. There's a couple free agents out there that maybe they could grab, and a Dwayne Dedman, maybe even bringing back a Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You're looking at guys like that because the scoring in the offense is easy. You have the weapons to score there. We still have your boy Joe Harris and Landry Shaman. Hopefully, you can get that three point shooting going, and then you're you're looking fine at that end of the floor. It's more so now. Is DeAndre Jordan going to be able to play competent NBA minutes, or do we have to rely on Nick Claxton, Reggie Perry, or maybe it's adding another big in free agency or a minor trade? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's still a lot of question marks, Nick, but are those question marks offset by the immense amount of talent that the Brooklyn Nets have? You know, that's the the risk and the all-in and the gamble that yep. Sean Marks was willing to take. And look, it, it's going to be an experiment. <laughs> it's it just it's just so weird how quickly things can happen because it was just yesterday we were talking about how Karis Levert had his fifth straight 20-point game yeah. for the Brooklyn Nets, and he was and it was his, a career high for him. He was acclimating to that new role. Jared Allen was. Con continuing to play 30 plus minutes as a starter for this team and helping us develop our defensive identity 
and now they're both gone and Torian Prince is gone as well and yeah. you know he was playing some of the best basketball he had as a Brooklyn net Rodon's courts we obviously have really fond memories of uh, when we uh, especially in yesteryear some of the moments that he provided some of the steel the patented steel and slams yeah. that he did um, I, I, it's so hard to process, Nick, that we have a game on tonight as well. It's it's a it's a sensory and information yeah. overload right now. But I wanted to get to one question. I know yeah. we've got a lot of questions to get to, but one in the Periscope right now, uh, at N the Brick Devito. This is the big question, and this is probably what Woj tweeted out as well. Hey guys, and this is from uh, at N the Brick Devito. Does this keep Durant a net past his current contract? I think it can make it more likely, especially in him and James Harden are hitting things off and the Nets win a championship or two. You know what I mean? It definitely puts you in a better position. And if the chemistry is great between those three or even two of the three, then I think it makes the guys just more likely to stay. Like success is going to bring that. And if the Nets fell short these next two years, it could make it less likely. So it's really hard to deem. And like you said, you know, these guys have some sporadic behavior. So we don't necessarily know how things are going to work out, and there's still plenty of question marks. And who knows? It could be a situation where they win a championship or win two, and then they decide they want to part, part ways and do their own thing. So it's really tough to answer. But at the end of the day, if Kevin Durant's basing its decision just off of talent on the team, I think James Harden makes it more likely that he stays. Yeah, uh, look, we, we know of the established relationship that they have. Obviously, they had almost... They were the, the young up-and-comers back yeah. in, in OKC. They were the team that almost took down the behemoth big three. Um, and look, it, it's it's funny how the, the NBA just goes back around. And <laughs> Look, James Harden has played with a lot of superstar teammates. And yep. a, a lot of it has been on him. And sort of been like, you know, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard. All of them have failed. Kevin Durant's a different beast, though. Yeah. Kevin Durant is one of the best, one of the 15 best players in the history of the game. And right now, he's playing like it. Yeah. He's playing like he hasn't torn his Achilles. He's playing like he is the best player in the NBA right now. And James Harden is has established himself as a perennial MVP contender. Yep. Two talents on the same team uh, as great as that is Anthony Davis and, and and LeBron James. Like both of those guys are MVP contenders. Obviously, there's a lack of defensive acumen from James Harden, but I do think that he has improved there and. I think that I'm, I'm intrigued to see if he is willing to acclimate to the Brooklyn Nets system and to Steve Nash and to Sean Marks. And, you know, he's got his uh, former coach and Mike yeah. D'Antoni as well. Whether that helped the trade as well, speed it up a little bit. I'm intrigued to see what happens and the growing pains. You know, I think offensively, you know, there's going to be no doubt about it. Like, I, we sort of go, oh, what about the turnover in, in previous Buzz episodes? What about the turnovers? What about the lack of rebounding? When it comes to offense, I think we're going to be just damn fine. Yeah. But it is defensively. And you look, they say defense is 50% of basketball. I honestly think it's about 30%. But right now, we need to strengthen that 30% because the 70% on the offensive side is uh, as strong as any team in the league right now. 100% Jack and also I think it gives the Nets some flexibility in resting guys on back-to-backs or whatever it might be now oh Kyrie needs a rest Kevin Durant needs a rest James Harden loves to play basketball he doesn't want to sit and he can carry you two wins against any team in the he league. needs to play basketball Nick. Yeah. you seen him yeah he does he does need to get himself in shape so hopefully that's something that he's doing right now and that's what this is gonna be an interesting coaching challenge for Steve Nash obviously still being a rookie head coach but like you said D'Antoni being there and Jock Vaughn and Udoka like having other voices is definitely helpful but now it's gonna be relying on a lot of those defensive minded players like Bruce Brown has to get big minutes on a regular basis Jeff Green is gonna have to play bigger minutes too like you need to re rely on these guys that can do the small things defensively and make those hustle plays 
and when you have such potent offense. You know what I mean? Like the like you said, Jack, the 70% is going to be fine. It's about getting guys who want to play for that 30% and James Harden adapting and playing good defense on a regular basis because, like you mentioned, he's shown flashes, but given his offensive workload and just some of the defense they played in Houston, he didn't necessarily do it on a regular basis. So now it, the pressure is on, especially when it comes to the postseason. I don't expect most superstars to lock in defensively during the regular season, but when it's a playoff series, he needs to play well. And I think you brought this up on the outlet before, Jack. He does a better job necessarily guarding like power forwards because he doesn't have good lateral quickness, but he has amazing strength and he can handle almost anybody in the post. He 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 fits well in the switching system. Yeah. You know, this defensive system is is Houston Rockets 2.0. And we've got Jeff Jeff Green there, who is also a former teammate of yep. James Harden last season, and really did flourish, you know, uh, alongside him as a small ball center. So right now, I think we saw it last night. DeAndre Jordan got relegated and we saw basically Jeff Green play backup center minutes. Now it's going to be DeAndre Jordan replacing the Jared Allen minutes and Jeff Green playing backup center. And hopefully we see a little bit of Reggie Perry because we've seen that he can play, you know, a little bit of spurts yep. here and there. Hopefully Nicholas Claxton is, is getting I'm himself ready. I'm excited for Nick Claxton. I, I, I mean, we're always excited <laughs> for Nick Claxton, but the opportunity here, you know, there was, in seasons past, you know, we made rash statements saying that, does Nicholas Claxton have a greater, more diverse skill set than Jared Allen? Right now, no. Jared Allen is one of the best centers in the league. Now, I don't know where he ranks, and I'm obviously being a bit hyperbolic in the moment, but you know the way he's played this season, he is playing like the, one of the best centers in the league. And Nicholas Claxton is an unproven product with so much intangible talent that it's going to be fascinating to see how that all pans out. But... Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning courses full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part? It's only $15, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. I'm still processing it, Nick. I don't, I, I, you sort of told me the picks at the start. I'm like, wait, what? How many picks? Wait, who's going where? Jared Allen's on Cleveland. Karras is on... I, I'm still... I'm still befuddled. I'm still, you know, the, the brain is still chugging yeah. along. It's like the, I, I still have no idea what is going on. Um, and if I'm actually awake. Uh, <laughs> is I, this a dream? Sure, no. Uh, uh, but like you said, Jack, I think even for me processing it still too is like, I feel like when I first saw the trade, all I could think about was the Karis LeVert and Jared Allen aspect. Just the emotions naturally make you think more about that. And obviously, like you've talked about how we've watched them grow and become the players that they are. And they're both also great people. You know what I mean? Amazing like, people, Nick. I don't think there are two better people in the league than Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. They, the reason why we are seeing so many tributes to them on Twitter yep. and beyond is because they are better dudes than they are basketball players. And they're great basketball <laughs> players. Yeah, and it's great. And also, you know, shout out to Rodion's and Torian too because they both have done nice things as Nets. Obviously, Torian maybe never lived up to the hype, but there was always some promise this year maybe he could get there. But Jack, I think we should hit some of those questions. 
Yes, let's hit some of those questions. Let me find the tweet because I've got a lot of tweets open right now, Nicky boy. There's way too many tweets for me to look at. All right, here we go. I've got it open. Uh, Kyle Russell of OTD Basketball. How does Nash balance the offense and get Harden to buy into more of an off-ball role? Um, a question that I'm probably not ready to process at this point in time, but maybe after the Knicks game. Give me your thoughts and I can sort of bounce off it. Yeah, I think they're going to have to play Harden in more of an on-ball role. He'll have to do some off-ball stuff, but I think on-ball he can still do plenty of great things, and he has elite teammates where a lot of the guys he played with in Houston when he was kicking out to the corner, that guy could just shoot a three-ball. Now you're setting up Kevin Durant on a secondary action. He's going to be able to just murk you. And I also think James Harden has the respect for Kevin Durant to understand that KD needs to get his touches and he needs to play off-ball, and I think that's going to be one of the most important things, you know, is him adapting, especially because what we see him do in Houston and we talked about this a lot in the offseason, he doesn't move and he sits at like half court. So the defender doesn't even necessarily have to respect him and they're just kind of pulling out and he's not part of the play. He needs to get in some of those actions, make some good cuts. And I've seen a couple plays this year where I've been like, oh, maybe he could be good off ball still. And obviously when he was in OKC with KD, he did do some stuff off ball and was effective as a six man. So they're going to have to get creative. Guys are going to have to give up some shots. But I think at the end of the day, there should be enough respect between the two guys and communication to understand what they need to do because this like we said this is a trade that's been speculated on for months and we know that KD and James Harden and Kyrie Irving worked out this summer so I'm sure there was already conversations ongoing yeah I mean we heard questions to James to Kevin Durant in the preseason about you know did you talk to him and it's just like you know he's on my team and whatever but I think that you know I, I believe that that those conversations did happen and there was a desire to get James Harden on the team. Now, that's not to say that Kevin Durant hasn't been an amazing teammate and leader for this team, but this could take us to another level. Yeah. It could also blow up in our faces as Nets fans. You know, There's a high level of combustibility, as I did mention at the start of the pod. The one thing I do like is that at the start of the season, we did see a, a, a somewhat engaged James Harden. Mm -hmm. And while he is still a heliocentric isolation player by nature... He is still amazing in the pick and roll. He is still a great and, and willing passer. He gets to the line a million times. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard for me because uh, aesthetically, I don't really enjoy James Harden you know, a lot of the time. It's like you know, juiced up Trey Young. Uh, <laughs> and we know my thoughts on Trey Young after the game um, with them. But Mike D'Antoni, I, I think, is going to be a, a key person in the acclamation of James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets offense and defense and having him adjust you know having people you know and having them sort of hold you accountable uh, is going to be a, a key thing for the success of the Brooklyn Nets team you know him going look James we can't just you can't just sit there off ball yep. we need you moving we need DJ you know running balls off like because if James Hunt actually does move, and it's not to say that he doesn't have the ability to do it. Then the how is there a way where you can guard James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving? And Joe Kyrie Harris. And Joe Harris. Question for another day about if all those guys are out on the floor together at some point in time. Uh, but focusing on the James Harden element, I do think that there is going to be a willingness because he wants this championship. Yeah. He needs this championship to cement his legacy. I always go back to a, a great Pleacher Report feature piece from... Uh, Howard Beck and sort of him saying, look, I need this championship. You know, I'm, in, I'm 30 years old now and this is the only thing missing because right now James Harden is on is like the Chris Paul. He's one of the best players to yep. ever play the game to not win a championship. He's a Carl Malone. He's a Patrick Ewing. You get that championship, it takes you from great to elite. 
to just in, you are on another stratosphere. And I don't agree with it, but that is just rings culture in the NBA and success in any sort of sport. Winning matters. And I think it does. And at the end of the day, he is the one that needs to change. Kevin Durant doesn't need to do anything different. And I think that both of them as passes, I think, is going to open up unique wrinkles to this offense. So I'm intrigued to see how much changes are happening to acclimate towards James Harden's style and how much changes James Harden is willing to make to acclimate towards the Brooklyn Nets style. Yeah, and I thought you brought up a great point, Jack, in saying knowing people there because it helps when you know teammates, but it also helps when you know coaches. So he knows people on both levels. You know what I mean? Knowing Mike D'Antoni and knowing Kevin Durant and having good relationships with both people I think is going to be really important for him to fit into this Nets system. And like you said, depending on if the Nets adapt more to him or he adapts more to the Nets, whatever it might be, there's going to be guys giving up shots, giving up possessions, whatever. But I will say the Nets now have a point guard in the roster. Like James Harden is a point guard. You know what I mean? Like he does pass the ball. And before he went on these MVP seasons or even just right at the beginning, he wasn't necessarily doing as much ISO. He was running more pick and roll and he was leading the league in assist. So it's not like he can't rack up those assists. Yeah, it's funny. I I remember quite, not vividly, but I remember in my head the moment where Mike D'Antoni went to Houston and he was like, I want you to be a point guard. Yeah. And how there was initial sort of reluctance from James Harden is like point guard because it's, in a vacuum, James Harden is a shooting guard. Yeah. When we look at him, he is a shooting guard. He shoots the ball a lot. He's, he has the size of that. He scores a lot. But he's a facilitator and ball handler. And I think that that's how Sean Marks, and, and especially Kenny Atkinson in season past, sort of saw players. There's facilitators and ball handlers. There's wings and there's bigs. Yeah. And James Harden fits into, obviously, the first class of, of type of player. I'm still... And I think that it's, this is going to make the Brooklyn Nets uh, an incredibly tough team to defend because you can, you cannot hone, you cannot double or blitz a James Harden and leave a Kevin Durant open. You cannot blitz or double a Kevin Durant and leave a James Harden open. These guys are going to get looks that they haven't seen the likes of any time in their career, except for probably Kevin Durant because he was playing alongside Steph yep. Curry and Clay Thompson. So we could maybe look towards there and see the immense efficiency that Kevin Durant produced in his seasons in Golden State and he might be able to replicate that and then some because right now the way that he's playing I'm not saying he's playing at that level but he's playing with a maturity and composure and a desire that has been rarely seen from KD and you know I, I hope that James Harden brings that same desire motivation to not just be the best version of himself but be the best teammate because that's what Kevin Durant has done as well I want him to be a leader and I think that having this collaborative style does suit him because James Harden doesn't seem to be like, he seems to be closer to a Kyrie Irving than a Kevin Durant or a yep. LeBron James or, or one of those sort of guys. So I think if Kevin Durant can hold him accountable um, and, and the rest of the team can hold him accountable, Steve Nash is now coaching, uh, we heard at halftime. Which coaching was awesome three superstars now too. Good luck, Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is what we got him in for, Nick, though. This is yeah. why Kenny Atkinson is gone because Kenny Atkinson was the fun upstart to bring the culture and the vibes. And now it's Steve Nash's turn to bring not just the vibes, but to bring a championship to Brooklyn. And uh, if it doesn't happen, this trade will have all been for nothing. Yeah, I mean, this is what you do, though. You go all in. Every move the Nets have done in the last year has been an all-in move. And you're talking about stopping the Nets on offense. Just, like, think about it. They might have teams in the bonus in, like, the first three minutes of a quarter. With James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, all guys that are capable of drawing free throws. And then also you're assuming whoever's playing the center position is going to get pr plenty of touches on easy oops and dunks, and that usually leads to fouls. 
Yeah, I think that there is no question about the offense. But Nick, how do you feel about, I guess, are you going to be copping a James Harden jersey? It's going to be hard to wear one of those things because I've criticized him and Kyrie Irving pretty heavily on, on recent podcasts, on not just The Buzz, but on The Outlet and on JBT. Um, what are your feelings, I guess, around James Harden in a vacuum? I mean, we're still going to give him shit if he does things off court that are bad. We just, on the last podcast, talked about Kyrie not wearing a mask at a large gathering, and James Harden did that a couple times before the season started. So the off-the-court stuff, I'm not going to defend that because it's not defendable. Like, we're in a pandemic. You need to be smarter, especially in respect to your teammates. And, you know, in terms of James Harden on the court, I think he's a great regular season player, and he's probably better in the playoffs than people give him credit for. But like you mentioned, Jack, he doesn't necessarily have that alpha closing mentality that you need in a game seven that Kevin Durant does have. You know what I mean? Now he can be second fiddle to KD, or he can lead the team for the first three quarters. KD takes over in the fourth, or Kyrie does. He has two guys that can take the big shots, so he doesn't have to. And not to say that he's not capable of doing that, because he has hit in big shots in his career. It's just something he's maybe not super comfortable with, and you know, Kyrie and KD are. Yeah, and I wonder if Kyrie thinks that this guy, he looks down the court and thinks now he has two guys <laughs> that he can give the ball to. Uh, and I'll say this real quick so. about James Harden, Jack. All the pressure is on him. Like you mentioned, he needs to win a championship. He needs to be a great teammate. He needs to be A-plus in every category because he bitched and moaned, and he wanted this trade to happen, and he got his wish. So now you need to live up to the hype, and you need to win a championship. There's more pressure on him to win a championship than KD and Kyrie. KD has two. Kyrie has one. You know what I mean? So it's James Harden. You have to get yours. And you know, the other guys obviously want to win theirs without their former teams. But still, pressure is on James. And I think if things go wrong, he's going to take a lot of the blame. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and I think that it's it's totally fair because this was all for James Harden in, yep. in a lot of respects. And, and while it was certainly to uh, appease Kevin Durant and, and, and just to get the championship, you know, bring a greater odds of, of bringing a championship to Brooklyn, you know, a lot of this is because James Harden wanted to leave. And, you know, we gave up all these picks to retain him, um, uh, to, to acquire him, sorry. So, look, I, I've seen a little bit, uh, a few things on Twitter, Nick. Are you surprised that the Nets... Two questions. Um, obviously, we'll get to more of the questions to your tweet as well, but I had to bring this up. PJ Tucker is still a Houston Rocker. Mm. That's one thing I wanted to ask you about. And the other one, the unprotections. In seasons past, we... In, sorry, not in seasons past. In weeks past, we heard about, you know, there might be some protections, there might be some light protections, but these are unprotected picks. And when you hear unprotected, it certainly makes you feel queasy. So, PJ Tucker and the unprotected picks. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, let's talk about the picks first, especially the one that's in 2027. Yeah, that's already making feel a little sick. But again, at the end of the day, you win a championship, you don't care. And let's be honest. If one GM in the league has proven they can make something out of nothing, it's Sean Marks. He's already been in this situation. I don't even think the situation will be as bad as it was when he took over the Nets. So he's prepared for that, and they can already start looking for young guys. You know what I mean? Start looking for some of these players that other teams have thrown away and things along those lines. And I also would think it's more likely they retain uh, Spencer Dinwiddie long-term. You know what I mean? Give him that big contract, keep him in-house you know, as long as they can, and he doesn't want to go elsewhere. And then with the P.J. Tucker thing, I thought that was interesting. But I think, to be honest, it's just Houston being smart, maybe, holding on to P.J. Tucker and trying to squeeze another pick out of somebody farther down the line. And I don't think the Nets really had any leverage in the situation to be like, hey, you need to include P.J. Tucker. It feels like this was kind of down to the wire with the Sixers. I'm not sure if the Sixers included Ben Simmons, if they tried to do it without Ben Simmons, and it was Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and some other guys. That's a possibility. But I feel like the Nets saw the trade, and Houston said they would accept, so they just had to pull the trigger. 
Yeah, they did, to be honest, they did a sensational job. Um, shout out to, um, not Gerson Rosas, who's the new dude there right now? Stone. On my brain. Raphael Stone, so, right? Raphael Stone. Uh, a, a tremendous job to get the... Mad picks. Mad, like, you uh, are now rivaling the OKC Thunder for, for the amount of... I will say of- a weird thing, though, for them, though, Jack, is that they didn't take Jared Allen. They elected to take another late first-round pick in Dante Exum. Yeah, I'm. I mean, and it's intriguing that Cleveland got him as well because the cheap the, cheap, to be honest. Yeah, no. Look, he is worth more than the the, the package does say. We know everything about uh, Jared Allen. Central division uh, teams just like to collect centers. <laughs> it seems that way. It seems that way. The central division centers. You might as well rename it. <laughs> Get back to those questions, Nick. Uh, at Bailey seven seven eight double zero triple five. Who should they target with open spots, and who wears thirteen? Harden or Shamit? You mentioned some names earlier. You know, I love a Dwayne Dedman. Uh, I, I cheekily like a former Brooklyn that and in Sh- Shabazz Napier as well. Yeah, Shabazz wouldn't be a bad option, especially as, to be honest, like, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know if I posed this question to you off air, but would you rather have Chris Yotes or Shabazz? And I feel like I'd rather have Shabazz. There were moments where, like, Shabazz was, like, our best player, Nick, against, like, the Milwaukee Bucks and stuff. And I'm like, it's... I'm shocked that he and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and to a lesser extent, Dwayne Dedman, aren't on teams right now. Those are three targets that I would, you know, I'm all in on. Not not all in in terms of like, you know, you have to get them. They are essential to championships because Shabazz Napier isn't a good defender, but uh, I think that he's the best point guard in the market right now. Yes, Jamal Crawford would be great, I think, for leadership and locker room purposes. Yes, Isaiah Thomas would be great for media purposes and to, to get even <laughs> All casual fans to the Brooklyn Nets as if we didn't have enough. But I think that talent-wise and fit roster-fit-wise, those three guys are the ones that stick out. Yeah, and I think you want to keep a spot or two open. You know what I mean? You want to wait for the buyout market. You don't want to rush into this decision. I think Dwayne Dedman would be the one guy that makes sense right away, just given the center depth and not knowing Nick Claxton and when he's going to be back. But it'd be cool to bring Rondé in. You know what I mean? Like, he fits the need of a hustle energy guy that can give you defense, give you rebounding. And I, I thought he took some nice strides as a defender in Toronto. I thought he was better in Toronto defending than he was ever in Brooklyn. He was Minnesota's best defender in the preseason. And then they just <laughs> let they him go. Him. <laughs> and they just dropped him. It's just like, they're obviously one of the worst defensive teams in the league right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I would love Rondé back on this team. I think that he provides the hustle, energy, grit, the, the little things. And yep. he did some really good things in Toronto as well. I thought that he provided some some nice moments for them. And I think in the regular season where we need just guys to fill in some minutes here and there, um, it's not to say that the Nets have no depth right now, but they do need to fill in some roster spots. And I think those are, the, are, are guys that stick out. Some other names that I'll throw at you uh, as well, Nick. Aman Shumpert, Michael Beasley, Lance Thomas, any of these uh, doing nothing for you? <laughs> I mean, Shump maybe because he provide he checks two marks. You know what I mean? He's an energy and defender, and he's also a good locker room guy. But Michael Beasley, I don't think the Nets need any more offense on this team. And Lance Thomas, it looked like he's pretty much done with NBA basketball based off what we saw in the bubble. How about a, another former Brooklyn Net in Damari Carroll? I wouldn't mind that. I think he fits two needs too. I'm not sure how much he can play though. I'm not sure if yep. he has any uh, gas in the tank right now. I think as a leader and help with the culture, Damari's not bad. But I'm looking more so for those wing slash forward players, you know, and possibly one, adding one center I think would be important. But I'd rather fill it up with two, you know, wing type players because they have plenty of guards still on the roster with Kyrie, James Harden, Landry Shamit, Joe Harris, you know, Chris Chioza, there's still Bruce Brown, like there's still guys that can play the guard minutes. It's really about finding those wing forwards that can defend, hustle, and hopefully knock down a couple threes. Yeah, that's, um, we need role players. We need role players, we need defense. And 
Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can turn a call. There's the possibility too of the trades of turning some second rounders into some just competent bench pieces. It's not like you're going to add another star or a really good player, but if you can just add, you know, essentially like a Jeff green level player to the bench, I think that'd be important. Yeah. Buyout market as yep. well. You know, I think Get that Marvin that Williams that's... out of retirement, if you can. Yeah. Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously George Hill and Aaron Gordon are probably guys that aren't people have thrown market. around the idea of the Cavs buying out Andre Drummond. Yeah, I, I did see that, actually. And I think that's actually might be one of the questions in here, but um, we have got a lot of them. Um, we also did have a comment from at EBZ214, bring back Ed Davis. Look, I he's love Ed Davis. He's still playing, though, right? Oh, no, he's on the T-Wolves. T-Wolves, yeah. And he is playing. He, he isn't playing a lot, but I don't hate it. But I also don't... I think, to be honest, I think Dwight Denman's a better player. He fits better with the Nets, too, with his three-point shooting. Ed Davis doesn't... He's... He's up there in age too. He's not that laterally, laterally quick, and obviously Dwayne Dedman isn't either. But he's, I think, a little bit better than Ed Davis at this point. Yep, yep, no doubt about that. Uh, let's get to more of these questions. And guys, um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes because we'll probably uh, have a lot more detail to dive into uh, on the post-game one after the next game. Uh, at um, at oh, sorry, Marco Polo on Twitter. Will James Harden get rid of the dreads and go back to the faux hawk? Um, I hope so. I, I don't really like the way the dreads just don't don't fit him. It doesn't it doesn't fit his style with the beard. Like I think he should go back to the faux hawk and be like, "Yo, I'm back." In in all honesty, I was actually chatting to my girlfriend last night, and I'm, and I'm like, I was talking about James Harden, and 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 she's like, "Oh, is that the guy that dated?" Because she likes the Kardashians. She's like, "Is that the guy that dated Chloe?" And I'm like, "Yep." Um. So yeah, look, James Harden and. I mean, the Brooklyn strip clubs uh, and the Manhattan strip clubs are probably rejoicing at the... At the James Harden's going to help the New York economy. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> dude, please, please, please. Too early for that. Um, uh, Bill, uh, Bill McVeigh, any thoughts on the big situation suggestions? And I think that uh, interpreting that is just overall in a vacuum, this trade, Nick, um, I guess, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think DeAndre needs to get motivated. I mentioned to you, I think I mentioned on the show too, I think he could lose a little weight, get a little bit quicker, be a little bit more spry, and maybe we can get some confidence out of him in terms of his minutes on the floor. If not, we're really hoping on Nick Clax and Reggie Perry taking strides forward. And like we mentioned, maybe it's signing a Dwayne Dadman or signing somebody else in the buyout market or making a minor trade. I kind of almost wish the Nets got JaVale McGee in part of that trade. Yeah, another backup center would have been good and look Chevelle McGee was cooking Rudy Gobert last night um so it, it he can catch hoops set screens and block shots <laughs> yeah he's and look he, he was part of a, a championship team you yep. know and, and and that's what you need you need championship caliber players um so yeah I think the big situation is something that is going to be fluid I, I think that they do need one other big but I also think it is the least important position until you come up to the finals and you're going up against Anthony Davis. Yep. And at that point, it's just like, okay, we've got nothing against him. You know, KD can guard him probably for a little bit. Jeff Green can maybe guard him for a little bit. You know, I'm I'm semi-confident in guarding Giannis and providing a system that makes nullifies him because right now the Brooklyn Nets have three of the five best players, three of the six best players in the Eastern Conference anyway. Yeah. I agree, Jack, and I think that's what it is, too. I think now there's more pressure on the coaching staff defensively to make adjustments and make things work and put pressure on other teams because you are having you have less defensive talent than you did before the trade. You know what I mean? We talked about Jared Allen and how good he's been this year. He's been one of the best defensive centers in the league. He's cleaned up a lot of mistakes, and even Karis Avertis showed moments. Same thing with Torian Prince. So they need to find out how they can get other guys to play better on the end of the floor or make adjustments to the scheme. Yeah, um, 
Pete Toll has actually put out some names on Twitter that are options for the center. Uh, John Henson, Dwayne Dedman, Jan Mahimi, Carlo Quinn are some options for the Nets' depth with three roster spots now open. Um, any of those other guys other than Dedman that could add something to this team? I mean, John Henson's okay. You know what I mean? Kyle Quinn has kind of been a weird player, bouncing around a lot. Occasionally he'll show something, but I and Jan Mahimni, like the, the Wizards were happy that he was going off that contract, so I don't think I'd be super excited. He's not the worst at the end of the day in terms of like a defender, rebounder, shot blocker. Offensively, his hands are kind of bad, but, you know, uh, I think Deadman would be my choice or make a minor trade, or even there's a possibility of finding somebody in the G League. I wouldn't rule that out either. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think the Nets need Ross vet talent. and, and yeah. But uh, I think that it's just going to be sort of guys that can chip in. And, and to me, you know, Dwayne Denman told us to call him. Sean Marks hopefully has his number still. Yeah. Um, we've seen that in person. A couple more questions to get to, Nick, before we uh, finish this one up. Um, and you alluded to it earlier, and it was in the questions. Uh, at so underscore sick with a Y. How would you feel about a Drummond signing if he's bought out now? Do you see the buyout happening, Nick? And It seems the, really it, unlikely for that amount unless they're just like, hey, Drummond, we're going to play Jared Allen all these minutes. Bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, if he's there and you can get him, he's a good player. There's always been question about his motor and some other things, and we give Corey a hard time about him. But in this role, this would be the best possible role for him. Rebound, block some shots, catch some oops, finish layups, be an enforcer down low. You know what I mean? Grab 20 boards a game. We'll be happy with you. And the other stuff will do for you. You're going to have the most oops and easy looks at the rim that you ever had in your entire career. So if he's there, yeah, that's a, a yes, sir. Yeah, no, look, uh, uh, look, as much as I said that Jared Allen was better, <laughs> and, you know, you can see the clip um, on the OTG basketball yep. Twitter, you know, I'm still a, a, a Andre Drummond fan. I, I give him a lot of shit just to, to piss off Corey Walter. <laughs> Final, final question, Nick, before I do want to touch on the Jared Allen Karasavert side because ultimately yep. it means a lot we to us. Those two mean a lot to us. Um, final question. Uh, uh, John, at John Brooknets. As a season ticket holder since Brooklyn day one, what therapist do you recommend for someone with post Pierce Garnet syndrome disorder? My best advice would be to subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz. <laughs> 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 the two therapy. best therapists you could find right here. Yeah. We, uh, I've said that before that this podcast is therapy after Brooklyn Nets losses and, and everything. So, look, if you just, yeah, listening to some docile Australian uh, and American tones bounce off each other as they talk about this fantastic and a team that we're obsessed with, you can't do better than that. But one thing I did want to end with, Nick, is Kara Severn and Jared Allen have meant a lot to not only us individually as fans, but this Brooklyn Nets organization and community and community what Jared Allen has done off the court with a lot of his impact and uh, within the youth in the community and some of his his charitable efforts Karis Levert um that there is there are not two better people in the NBA than Jared Allen and Karis Levert and I mean I've said this about D'Lo he's always got a special place in my heart but I think Jared Allen and Karis Levert is going to be even stronger because they are Brooklyn Nets to run through. Sean Marks' arrival, you know, they were the guys that he selected. They've been foundational pieces that have taken us to unlikely success. Jared Allen has turned himself into this skinny Afro kid to being a bona fide killer in the, as a center, taking down Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert night after night. 
Carousel Vert has turned into this Bambi on ice dude to being Cornrow Karras who's killing dudes left, right, and center. Whether you're in Memphis, whether you're in Boston, it doesn't necessarily matter. He's got skills for days. And I kind of help but feel sad that we're not going to see these guys in the black and white anymore. And it's because it was so shocking and abrupt, it almost makes it more impactful because it's just like, I didn't, I wasn't emotionally prepared to see these guys leave. Yeah, and you didn't necessarily get to enjoy their last moments. You never thought last night or, you know, the last game, you're like, oh, that's the last time we're going to see Karis Avert or Jared Allen playing in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. And, I mean, I'll be honest, from just their perspective, it sucks is because if this team wins a championship, they don't get to this level without Karis Avert and Jared Allen, and they're not going to be there to enjoy it. And, and also, you give the guys a lot of credit. Jared Allen never complained once when DeAndre Jordan was starting over him, at least publicly. And he had every yeah. right to do that. And Karis Avert, the same thing. He didn't complain about coming off the bench after he was named to the all-bubble team and put on a show for the team and carry them to the playoffs in the bubble. So I think, like you said, Jack, these are two great people. They're two of the best people in the NBA. They do a ton of stuff off the court to help the youth in Brooklyn and all across their hometowns. So just, you know, shout out to them. And I really hope both guys have amazing careers. And I hope they're even better than we thought they ever could be. And I think they will. I, I have no doubt that these guys are going to go are only going to get better in their respective situations in the Indiana. That's my two carries in a playoff series this year. I would be a little nervous yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, it, it's gonna it's gonna make your heart do some different things. I have no doubt about that. But yeah, the, this the, these guys have meant so much to us because you know, in the inception of the Brooklyn Buzz, you know, they were two key figures that we would just focus on, and you know, we would give Karis of it. It's just like, why is he driving to the rim with such pace and 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 so little such little composure? And it's just like that was just. That was only just a few years ago, and now he is showing aggression and is showing you know competency as a three-level scorer. And it's just like, why is Jared Allen not showing aggression? Why isn't he dunking on falls? Why isn't he showing any progression in the post? And now he's turning into Amari Stoudemire uh, with some of his moves. It's and it's I think hard. another thing, Jack, too, is the fact is that we both had a lot of confidence in these guys to be the players that they are today, and a lot of people didn't. You know what I mean? There was plenty of doubts about Jared Allen, plenty of doubts about Karis Avert, and we all we both were pretty confident along the way in that they were going to be good players, and it came together, and we were right, and it's great. And obviously, that just gives you a little something, too, because you had faith in these guys, and they came through for you. Yeah, I can't, I can't say enough good things. I'm... I'm torn. I'm, to be honest, Nick, the overwhelming feeling still is is upset uh, about the fact that we yeah. have lost two guys that have meant so much to us. And because if this, if James Harden had been maybe Bradley Beal, a guy who I have you know a, a more respect for off the court, um, then I might have felt a, a little less emotional about the the loss. Not the loss. They haven't died, but the, you know the departure of of these two like star Brooklyn Nets. They're not superstars, yeah. but they have brought relevance to the franchise and, and they have exceeded their own expectations. You know, who would have thought that a guy, uh, two players who would pick 20 and 22 would turn into foundational starting pieces, fringe all-stars in Karis Avert's case, and, you know, a, a, a center who is on the rise, one of the yeah. best young centers in the league in Jared Allen. So I, I just hope that Cleveland and Indiana... Um, know what they've got in those two dudes because they are immense characters uh, on and off the court. And I, I'm going to be watching more Cleveland games and Indiana games probably than any other team. 
Yeah, 100%. And I mean, like I said, I think we'll be on full access Pacers more than we anticipated when, when Corey created the podcast. But uh, again, we're going to see what happens. Like we said, this is a huge risk for the Nets. But when you have the option to get a top five player, you have to pull the trigger. And it hurts. And it's a business at the end of the day. And Sean Mark's job is to make the Nets team as talented as possible and put them in a position to win a championship. And I think he's done that today. We'll see if it comes together, if it works out. And like you mentioned, Jack, we'll be discussing this probably for the next month because it's there's going to be growing pains. It's not going to come together perfectly. And I still wonder who's even suiting up for the Nets tonight against the Knicks. <laughs> but uh, We'll be uh, watching that in an hour or so, and then we'll be dropping a podcast after the game. But like Jack mentioned, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Go Nets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.